Want to cut cooling bills without cutting comfort? Lower utility costs and enjoy cool and consistent comfort with a highly efficient air conditioner from Luxair. With Luxair's consumer rebate program, educators, nurses, first responders, military personnel, and veterans can enjoy exclusive rebates on qualifying purchases of Luxair equipment. To learn more, call Chris Brewer at Affordable Heat and Air, 317-656-7945. They'll recommend a system tailored to your home that provides comfort, energy savings, and lasting performance. This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee. Driver, start your engine! For me, St. Pete's always been the best kickoff for the IndyCar season. I've been lucky enough to race here since 2012, and it's, it's one of my favorite events. Coming to St. Pete is always a phenomenal time because not only uh, the warm welcome to the community, but it's also the first race of the season. Everybody's pumped, everybody's uh, energy is staying high, uh, the mechanics, the driver, it's, it's from everyone. Welcome everyone, it's finally race week for the NTT IndyCar Series. The Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg begins this weekend, actually Friday with practice, a couple practices through the weekend and and we'll qualify on Saturday and race on Sunday. It's the first of 17 races. So a lot to get to tonight on Trackside. Hello, I'm Kurt Cavan, along with Kevin Lee and Eddie Garrison here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. A lot to get to. Uh, Kevin is uh, on remote, as he often is during the course of a, a long winter. He likes to get to as much sunshine as possible and get a head start on the week. I'm here in Indianapolis. Eddie Garrison is back in the worldwide headquarters for uh, the fan. And so we will begin tonight. Kevin, welcome. Uh, I hope the weather is good down there in Florida as we get ready to all make the trip uh, down to St. Petersburg. It is hot in Sebring, as it often is. You need to, we missed the window. The good time in Sebring is December and January, it's already July. Uh, but it looks much better for St. Petersburg. 80 to 82 are the highs each day, so it will be fantastic. And later on, I'll share with you, I'm not going to start the show before we start the season with this, but a new one, a maintenance truck hitting my driver on pit lane today. So (laughs) that's why I'm a bit discombobulated. I'm uh, working on someone is paying for this, and it ain't me. Wow, that's that's not the way to start things. You're supposed to no, if you ha- if you no. have issues. It's, it's minor damage, by the way, but whatever. It's more than a dollar, and that's more than I should be paying. <laughs> and trust me, there's nothing less than a thousand dollars when it comes to fixing a race car. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. Uh, let me uh, give just a quick overview of what we got coming ahead from a weekend standpoint. Friday, uh, all times Eastern, we're going to have a practice on Friday for the NTT IndyCar Series. Saturday. Another uh, practice session at 10 a.m., knockout qualifying Saturday at 2.15, uh, race warm-up Sunday at 9, and then we'll go racing shortly afternoon. I think the green flag approximately 12.20 or 12.23, so kind of a short intro for you on the NBC broadcast. There's a lot of places you can you can uh, consume this race from the IndyCar Radio Network here on this station and uh, we'll have to check uh, later uh, specifically 
uh, some of the other ways you can do it from a from an audio standpoint. But Peacock and NBC on television. And then uh, the good news is there's a lot more options across the across the planet, uh, especially in Canada. So you'll want to check those local listings. I know IndyCar has has worked to improve the broadcast and and uh, reach in Canada. So that'll be something that our friends up there in the Great White North will uh, appreciate. And we will uh, also have a full slate of of Indy Next, which used to be Indy Lights. Uh, their their race is Sunday at nine fifty, qualifying Saturday at one thirty. And I know you can get that on Indy Indy Car Live. Uh, that's the internet uh, opportunity and the race itself on Peacock. Uh, so yeah, a lot of a lot of things to get to. Twenty seven car and driver combinations. We've got what I think four rookie drivers. There's uh, interesting moves across the the landscape with Rossi going to Arrow McLaren and and uh, Hunkos becoming a two car team. Uh, Stingray Rob at, at Dale Coyne Racing, an interesting pairing at at uh, what was the Jimmy Johnson seat at Chip Ganassi Racing with Marcus Armstrong on the road courses. And street circus, Takuma Sato going to run the ovals. Uh, Kyle Kirkwood, the three-time road to Indy champion at, at Andretti. And Santino Ferrucci, who is always interesting to watch. He'll be in, a, in the number 14 car of AJ Foyt racing. So I, I guess I let's just start with kind of an overview of that. Uh, among those changes four rookies and and a few driver veterans or veteran drivers moving around which one has your interest uh the most as we get ready to start here in St. Petersburg I don't know if this would be the number 1 so there's no necessary order of this but I think Kyle Kirkwood to Andretti is really intriguing because as we've talked about I think so we thought he was really really good and it didn't go well last year he was the last of the five rookies most people thought he would be the best of the rookies. He was 24th, um, but there were circumstances. And it won't surprise me. Now, it might still be typical year two, and he's 14th or 15th and struggles a little bit. But I think it's more likely he's in the top 10, and I think it's possible he's in the top six or seven and wins a race this year. So I am very curious to see what Kyle Kirkwood does in this situation, taking over Alexander Rossi's car. As we look at Errol McLaren, that's an interesting lineup of Pato Award and Felix Rosenquist returning, Alexander Rossi joining the fold. The conventional wisdom would be that Rossi is due for kind of a rebound to his career. Yes, he he won last year's race uh, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course to kind of break a long streak. I think it was 49 races over pretty close to three years since he had been in victory lane, but that team has grown so fast over the last three or four months that you would think there would be some learning curve involved. What do you expect from Rossi this weekend? What do you think of his maybe let's say first half of the season uh, kind of ingraining himself in the program? How do you think this is going to go to start the season? Well, that's the other big one. If I didn't pick Kirkwood, that's the most fascinating. And maybe there are more unknowns and wild variables there because they are adding a new car. And there's always a process, no matter how much budget there is, how buttoned up, how 
uh, efficient a team is when you add an extra car, it takes a little bit of time to get that worked out. And then the other thing we've talked about before is that McLaren seems to have a different car and they also have a different philosophy bringing in more on the Formula One side. And sometimes some things can get lost in translation. Is that not finding tuning the process enough? Does it take a little longer? We saw a thermal test. It took them, you know, the first day to get some things sorted with teething pains. Uh, it went okay after that. And from listening to uh, the Hinch and Rossi podcast, Alex felt like it went pretty well at the most recent Sebring test. So same thing. It wouldn't surprise me if Rossi is a championship contender, is in the top three or four. And it's also possible he's 10th, which is not hard to do in IndyCar today. It's one of the reasons why this series is so fascinating. You, we've had one preseason test in Formula One, and not to kick around Formula One, because we understand they have a lot of momentum, and I enjoy watching Formula One as well, but we kind of already know what's going to happen this season. There aren't a lot of questions. We kind of have an idea of which uh, two cars are going to fight for the championship, and and we have a pretty good idea who the top four to six are at this point. We don't really know that in IndyCar. So this is called the Firestone. You say we we don't know, but I will give you this a uh, little bit to chew on and find out your reaction. Uh, this is called the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg, and yet uh, you could easily term it the Team Penske uh, Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg because Team Penske has just dominated this event. 17 races at this airport slash downtown facility since 2006. Team Penske's won 11 of those 17. They've won 11 of the polls. Uh, Royal Power has been terrific. And if you take the combination of their drivers, Power, Newgarden, McLaughlin, Elio, Pagano, Montoya, Briscoe, take any of them, add them all up, they have been on the podium 23 of the 51 positions. That's 45%. This has been – McLaughlin dominated last year, uh, leading a virtually every lap. Is this a Team Penske event again this year, or do you think uh, – would you go out on a limb and try to pick anybody else? No, I don't <laughs> think I would. But you, you know what? Colton Hurd has been awfully good here too. Um, so, I, But if I have to pick, I'm picking a Team Penske driver, and I don't know which one. If I have to pick one, I'm going to say Newgarden this time around uh, because power has been done. All, all three of them have been great here before. I do think, and we did a little NBC segment today that will probably be posted on their YouTube page. They may break it down into four or five different categories, but uh, our on-air team addressed five different questions. And, you know, we picked champion and Indy 500 winner and rookie of the year and so forth. And when I got to my championship pick, uh, one of the questions was also, who makes the biggest jump this year? And I didn't choose him because I, I picked Kyle Kirkwood because I think he's going to go massively from 24th to at least 12th, if not, like I said, 6th or 7th. But I said, I think Scott McLaughlin, for the second year in a row, might make a massive jump. And to make a massive jump again in year three, it means he would win the championship. And right or wrong, and this may be getting ahead of ourselves, I picked McLaughlin to win the championship. That said, I'm going to go eeny, meeny, miny, mo. And Joseph Newgarden is still pretty motivated about trying to win 10 races to make sure he can win the championship this year. Uh, I, I'm going to say Newgarden wins the opener. 
Well, that's uh, I'm going to go with power to win the opener just because he uh, he continues to be right in the mix every year. Finished third in this race last year. Um, I'll probably go with since we're going to start the season. I'll go with Dixon to win the championship. Uh, but you know, it's an any meeny miny mo among the top yep. four or five. Let's talk a little bit about this rookie class. Uh, David Maluka, or excuse me, David Malukas and Kirkwood and and Callum Eilat and you know they've all moved up and and uh, Christian Lundgaard. Uh, this rookie class is interesting from the standpoint of of really the inexperience of of the drivers and of their teams. And by that, from a team standpoint, I mean Hunkos Racing is going to two cars for the first time. Our guest uh, last week. Uh, and I'm going to mispronounce it all the way around August, Augustine Canapino. How did it, it, it or, or Augustine? So, I don't know. No, I, I think the closest we're going to get is basically what I've been saying for the last few months. And this isn't 100% accurate the way he would say it, but it's basically Augustine Canapino. Augustine, okay. Yeah, but it's, it's more of a, a goose and it's definitely a teen at the end. You know, I, I think if you had a little more flair with the language. It's more of a, an Augustine Canapino, but Augustine is pretty safe, and I think that's pretty close. So that, I'll talk to him this weekend, and we'll get something. So that that is difficult for that team to kind of grow in two cars, and he being an Argentine touring car championship has so little experience in an IndyCar, just the, the couple of tests. Uh Benjamin Peterson, that's going to be a struggle at Foyt. So it really kind of comes down to Stingray Rob at, at Dale Coyne Racing and keeping an eye on uh, Marcus Armstrong. Uh, the interesting thing is our Marcus Armstrong at, at Chip Ganassi Racing. The interesting thing I dug up this week about Stingray Rob, he's actually made 11 starts on this on this circuit in his career. Now, obviously not in an IndyCar, but did win the second of, of two races, UF. USF Pro 2000 in 2020. Uh, that's the year he won the championship. Uh, he was fourth last year in the Indy Next race. Uh, he will actually have might be the the most experience of, in fact, probably of all three of these put together. Certainly of all three of these put together, the rookies. Uh, I would expect him to be your kind of early guy to watch, uh, particularly at St. Pete. Do you kind of share that feeling? I do not. Marcus Armstrong is going to be. Uh, the strongest of the rookies to begin the season. Now, I never count out a young Dale Coyne racing driver, and I think Singray is talented, and the point you make is a good one, that he's got experience at these tracks, and probably St. Pete is going to be the toughest ask for Marcus Armstrong, a rookie on a street race course where you haven't had a chance to test out, you know, nor will he have tested at Barber or anywhere else they go in the early going. But there's just a little bit more practice time than what you have on a street circuit. And there's no margin for error to try to explore because you're in the wall and your day is done. And then you're going to finish last if you miss a day of practice time. Uh, but I think Marcus has impressed in testing. He's with the team that is further up along. He's with uh, Chip Ganassi Racing. So I, I think he will probably get off to the start uh, that is more impressive. It's possible Stingray beats him at St. Petersburg, but I think, you know, say by the time we get to Indianapolis, Marcus Armstrong is going to be ahead in the championship. As the season goes along, I give Stingray a good chance to be able to catch up a little bit, but I'm still 
picking, if we have to pick, Marcus Armstrong, even though he's not doing all of the races, no ovals, I'm picking him to score the most points of the rookie class this year. And that helps. He will miss. Yeah, he will miss uh, Indianapolis. It's not a double points race this year. So that that actually uh, uh, works to his favor. Uh, There's just really so many things to uh, look for. Kevin Lee and Kurt Cavan here with you on Trackside. Uh, So many things to look at in this one. Uh, Christian Lundgaard's got a new contract to Ray Hall Letterman. Uh, His... um, his number change is interesting because it comes with a high V sponsorship that's so important not only to Bobby Rahal's team, uh, but also the the series and the sport as a whole. As you look at, you know the the sponsorship at at Iowa Speedway. Uh, so I think that that's a good place to 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 look. I also would really am intrigued by Renus VK how he gets off to the start of the season. Uh, mm-hmm. It's he's kind of in a Let's let's finally see what you're made of kind of a year. And then the the whole dynamic in Andretti has changed with uh with Rossi moving out, uh with with Grosjean taking more of a, a kind of a veteran uh role with that team. Kirkwood you mentioned and and Colton Herta being, you know, the most experienced IndyCar driver at Andretti. Uh you know what among those kind of things is really strikes your fancy as we move to St. Pete. You lost me. What about what things are we looking at? <laughs> I just just what your what you you know what interests you here, Renus VK. Uh, you know the whole Andretti situation. Um, yes, yes, and yes. I mean, yeah, Lungard, Lungard. So I think I think Lungard uh, is going to be really impressive in this next year. And and I would be surprised if he doesn't win a race. And we say that, that he should win a race. But then you start looking at, well, there's only 17 races. And you start doing the math and you run out of races for people to win because you know some are going to win multiple races. You know, we think all three Penske's are going to win a race. We feel pretty certain Scott Dixon will win a race. I would think Alex Pillow wins a race. Marcus Erickson might win a race. Colton Herta should win a race. Um, Errol McLaren. Uh, Pato Award should win a race. Rossi should or could win a race. Felix Rosenquist. We we had the over-under set for our uh, conversation with NBC today at eight and a half. And eight is kind of where we get to, all right, uh, I will be surprised if these eight, and it's probably the eight that I mentioned, maybe minus Marcus, but then it's pretty easy. So I ended up taking the over. My first thought was under, but I took the over because I think in that group of a Christian Lungard, of a Marcus Erickson, maybe of a Kyle Kirkwood, one of those are going to win a race this year. Um, Renus VK could win a race again this year. He has won a race before. I, I Simon Paginot, maybe he shows. I mean, this this guy's a champion. Uh, and almost won two other championships. I expect a big comeback for Simon Pagano this year and year two with Meyer Shank Racing because I think Andretti as a whole will be stronger and they share engineering with with Andretti. So all of that to me is fascinating. Ed Carpenter has been really up and down. Uh, they have been really fast at times. Other times they've seemed like they've been on the back foot a little bit. I know that they all want to take a major step forward, and, and Renus VK and Connor Daly can do that. So, you know, in a roundabout way, 
that that's what again is good. You look at every single team and you can go through and say, well, what can they be? Uh, the the Hunkos Hollinger team can Calamilot take another step to make as much of a step forward this year? He's fighting consistently for top tens, and I think maybe he could. But you got to keep beating people. Is Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan, who's revamped their engineering to some extent, will they make the step forward this year? Uh, Jack Harvey's got to have a good year, and I think he will. I think he'll be better this year. I think Graham will be better. He may not qualify great, but he'll continue to pass people in races and be on the podium, I think, uh, a time or two this season. So it all leads into a lot of what-ifs, which I like. Yeah, I like what-ifs, too. I, and I, I share your feeling that, that Meyer Shank Racing ought to be ready to take the next step. You know, we assume that with Elio and Simon last year, you know, in a two-car operation, that that would be just a recipe for at least contending for wins. I don't know that we thought, given your your eight or nine drivers that should win races, that you could necessarily put Meyer Shank Racing in that group. But uh, they've got to take a step, and this will be the second year that they have a two-car operation. So that that really should lead to to more competitiveness uh, from that group. So that you know they're going to take a step. Uh, I, I I keep going back and forth on whether it's Grosjean, Kirkwood, or Lungard that becomes the next new race winner in this series. I think there are 14, 14 drivers. I think of the twenty-seven. And by the way, the 27, uh, the most this series has had in a race a long time. So I don't know. I think Grosjean's probably the one I'd go with. What about you? Trying to do a quick count on how many. I looked this up a while ago, but I don't have that in front of me. I'm up, up to already 10, 11, 12, 13, 4, you're right, 14 of the 27 that will be at St. Pete have won a race. You know, I didn't mention Grosjean before, but. If he doesn't win a race, he's going to be disappointed. And this yeah. is a big year for Grosjean. He is a he's a paid driver. He's as far as I know not bringing any funding, and is being paid a salary through Andretti Partnerships. And yes, he gathers attention for them and has a worldwide platform. But when you're a hired driver, you are expected to deliver. And he's either going to be in the top eight or nine in points this year and have a win or have several podiums and being contention, or he's probably looking for another job next year. That's just kind of the way it is. He's either full-time sports car racing or is trying to find a way back to Dale coin or something else. And I think he will be good. He He's too good. And I think they're too good to not deliver him a win. So I'm going to say Grosjean wins first. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be close and I th- I think I would go with Krajan too because I think he's going to be, you know, on the road courses and the street circuits is going to be, you know, just ahead of the game if you will on on Kirkwood, you know, it's certainly in a head-to-head battle on that race team. I think you would give the edge to the experience Grosjean has and then Lungard, you know, he's going to he's going to have one of those pop races where he's uh pops and and shows up on the podium maybe a little bit of a surprise in that particular event, but I think he's going to be, uh, he's going to have one of those weekends, but I'd give Grosjean more of a chance. And uh, anyway, we're going to start to find all that out coming up this weekend. Uh, again, practice first time on the track uh, Friday at three o'clock. 
uh, qualifying Saturday and the race Sunday rolls off shortly after noon. You should show up on your NBC and Peacock and radio station uh, channels at uh, right at noon because it'll be a pretty quick intro, a little longer maybe than some, but about 20 minutes by the time you get the storylines identified and and uh, Kevin gets to make a track walk uh, or a pit road walk and, and go through the uh, field a little bit. It'll be time to go green. We're going to get to the news of the day, and I know there's at least one big news item about a driver who is uh, maybe in the Indy 500 for a couple years. We're going to get to that and so much more here on Trackside. Stay tuned. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make, and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Hi, this is Graham Rahal, and you're listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, so we've got um, a, a driver who who we expected Kyle Larson will be as I guess announced. Uh, that's a better way of putting it. Kyle Larson going to be in the Indianapolis 500 for Arrow McLaren in 2024. The Associated Press reports, or at least Jenna Fryer tweets, I guess we should put it that way, that this is a two-year deal. And so we're going to see Kyle Larson at some point later in the season, get his chance to test and, Kevin, it sounds like it will be for more than just the 2024 Indy 500. How exciting is that? So I hoped that was the case, and I'm glad to hear that because um, winning it the first time around is uh, not reasonable and not likely at all, no matter how good Kyle Larson is, no matter how good their cars are. So this shows that this is not just a bucket list experience. Uh, as he said, You know, he's there to compete. And by doing two years, year two, I think he can. I think if Jimmy Johnson was in the race this year, he would have had a chance. It didn't go as great as we hoped for Jimmy uh, in the 500 last year, but it was pretty strong throughout the month. And a second year in a program like Ganassi might have been tough in a one-off to win it, but that's the whole point. Second year at around, Larson will understand what's going on. It sounds like there's a chance he could be in the April 20th and 21st test. As, as well, uh, which I was hoping they would find a way for him to do that. And that's why we've always said when someone does this, you know, it's, it's why I said over the winter, I thought it was already too late for this year for these guys in some reason, in some ways for, for Bush and Larson. They need to decide in the summertime and get a test in at Texas, Fontana, if Fontana hasn't been destroyed by then as a two-mile oval, uh, or IMS and a tire test in the fall and really get a sense of it and have a time to work up to it. So they're doing it the right way for Kyle Larson, and it's going to be great to watch. And maybe next year we'll see Kyle Busch. He's got momentum on his side. Uh, Obviously, a change of scenery did him well because he easily could have won the first two races of the Cup season. Yeah, he uh, Kyle Busch was actually leading at lap 200. 
of yeah. the Daytona 500 and then uh and didn't get the didn't get the checkered because it went long. I should have reset things as we move into the second segment. Kurt Cavanaugh along with Kevin Lee and Eddie Garrison back in our Indianapolis studios on trackside. Uh, by the way, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, give a shout out to Mario Andretti, whose 83rd birthday is yeah. today. He continues to look like the grand spokesman of this sport or the grand uh, representative. I don't know. The, he's he's kind of continues to be – you know, like he may live forever. He just looks He's still good. the coolest guy we know. He is by far the coolest guy we know and probably will ever know. Well, he and and you'd have to say he might be the coolest person that if you haven't met him, he's probably still the coolest person you've never met. Uh, there would True. be a very a very short list of people across sports and entertainment that are cooler than Mario Andretti. And not, it's not just because of his his uh, athletic endeavors and his accomplishments as a race car driver, but his the way he moves through crowds of people, the way he he manages his business relationships, his wine business, uh, just his Italian heritage, his accent, his is just the way he carries himself. And he donates a lot of time and effort to charities as well. You know, certainly when you're Mario Andretti, you command a nice fee to go and do things and it's good to be Mario Andretti in the business world just like it it's been good to be Jack Nicholas it was great to be Arnold Palmer everyone else of, of that stature uh but Mario could collect a lot more if he wanted to so I'll just put it that way he's done a lot of good things for a lot of people over the years well and hey he before we he continues to just answer the phone you know he's he's yeah. continues to be I mean he's 83 years old I mean I don't I don't mean to say that life ends in your 80s but there's not a lot of people still running as as aggressively and as as uh, solidly as as Mario at uh, at 83 years old. Are you up to speed on the changes that we have this weekend? We need to go over that. Uh, okay, for red tires and qualifying changes and things like that. And I think there's a a caveat that I've not seen really addressed with the red tires that might impact things. So why don't you lay it out? I, I obviously oh, I was had... hoping you did because I don't have it in front of me, <laughs> but I'll, I'll try to do my best because um, I'm, I'm mobile today. Uh, but as I recall, top of my head, uh, in the first practice session, this was a change last year that the practice session went from, and I, I, I'm going to be wrong here because I normally like to have things in front of me, but it went from 45 minutes to an hour 15 or whatever. And they added the uh, set of alternates, which, by the way, are not reds. They're the greens. That's, that starts this weekend, right? The yes. Wiley tires yes. on the street for, circuits for several events this year are the alternate. That's fantastic. That's environmentally friendly. So kudos to Firestone for making that happen. They tried that at Nashville last year. We all were. Uh, with no disrespect to anyone, wondering, well, is it really going to be the same? And it seems like it was. And and they're going to do it at St. Pete. So the greens would be available in the first session. Still, people were sitting a lot, uh, and they weren't getting the type of activity in practice that they wanted. So they're changing it up a little bit. And while I'm talking, I need you to look this up so you can get the factoids out on this. But they are allowing a second set of reds to be used if you like in that first session one still has to be turned back i believe also a set of primaries has to be turned back in only eligible for that first session 
So they're hoping some teams might uh, run more by running out the blacks, running out the reds, and then they have another set that they could use in practice later on or even in that first session. But here's what I think is going to happen. They're going to save that second set of reds, which they don't have to give back for qualifying. And now, and good or bad, I don't know, because this is an experiment for the first two street race events. Uh, I believe this is St. Pete and Long Beach. I think those that think they can make the fast six will save a set of reds and they'll go red, red, red or green, green, green uh, in qualifying. And we will have sticker alternates available for the Firestone fast six. I believe you've summed that up perfectly. The other thing I would mention is, and this is kind of a semantic thing or or something that you'll be paying attention to only if you're really dialed in is that the clock won't start automatically on a qualifying session. Uh, Normally on those, you've got a 10-minute session, the clock would start when race control would essentially start the the ticker. In this case, uh, once the first car goes out and completes uh, the lap, and it may not be at normal start-finish, but at, at the ending point of where, um, you know, the clock is measured, um, the alternate start-finish line, that will actually trigger the 10-minute session. So that it probably adds 60 to, 60 to 90 seconds, depending on which racetrack we're at. This is primarily in play for, for the road courses and street circuits. Uh, but it should just allow a little bit more time for uh, people to get out there and run. Well, and they're also stopping the clock at the first red flag in round one now, correct? That yes. there is a there is now a guaranteed amount of time in round one. And the first red, I, I don't have it in front of me, and I'll, I'll know this by the time the show starts this weekend. Um, but I don't know if, say, it gets to eight minutes, would they still stop it? I suspect it's we're going to get at least this much than the first red it stops after that it's kind of the gamble because we were seeing um, some fast guys get disadvantaged now you could say they gambled by waiting but now you know you're going to get at least a chance um, if you sit the first three or four minutes or if you haven't switched to the alternate tires so that's going to be one change in qualifying this year yeah that's that's uh that's exactly right and and it would uh, only as you mentioned but just to reiterate it's only for one red flag guarantee stoppage. Uh, if the second one comes, you're you're essentially out of luck. So, uh, you know, those are kind of the big the big ones. And and I jumped in on you uh, with the Gauli rubber that's used for the green tires. The uh, you know the uh, the ones that are friendly for the environment. They're made out of those shrubs that you find in the kind of the desert climate. Uh, those will be used at the five street circuits. Uh, the 500 tire will actually be made out of a recycled plastics. So, you know, more more ways Firestone is is helping the cause. Um, yeah, so I think those are the changes in logistics that we have going into the season. Now, there are some different aero things that maybe we won't get into here. It certainly will impact things a little bit more in the oval. So uh, we can, I, I think, unless I'm thinking of something differently, I think we could save that. For before we head into Texas and before we get into uh, the Indianapolis 500, just some other things off the top of my mind as, as we start the new what was Indy Lights, Indy Next, and we'll put the sign up in the booths. So we try to get that as well. They made a schedule adjustment, which I really like. They have one of the changes when Penske Entertainment took it over was 
fewer double headers. So the advantage with double headers, it's cost saving for someone that's not at the top level, but it, you still like to have one race as much as you can. So they had fewer double headers, make them feel like bigger events, associate them more with IndyCar. Well, they're dropping one more of the double headers, and this is an easy one to do because there was a double header on Grand Prix weekend in May, and they're just simply going to take one of those races and move it to the IndyCar Brickyard weekend. So that gets the Indy Next drivers and their partners and sponsors in front of a nice audience that weekend. Most, if not all, of the teams are based in Indianapolis. So there's not extra expense or not much for that. So I like that, and I'm excited about that. And we have 19 cars in Indy Next coming up this year. So that's going to be fantastic. There's a big unknown there moving to Firestones. They've not tested on the Firestones anywhere other than Homestead which massively eats up tires. So I think it's a guessing game. I don't think any of them have been here to Sebring. They were at Sebring last fall, but those were on Cooper tires. I don't believe anyone is tested uh, at Sebring to prepare for the street race on the Firestones. So that is going to be a wild unknown for them this weekend. Yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of interesting names to watch. And, and you talked about most of the teams based in Indianapolis. I believe H HDM is fielding nine of the 19 cars. So uh, it's an HDM. <laughs> HMD. HMD. Yeah, they they HMD. have 10. They have 10 some weekends. I haven't seen the entry list for this weekend, but uh, Josh Pearson is doing most of the races based around his WEC schedule. But when he's there, they have 10 cars. When you include the Force Indy car, which is now being operated uh, by HMD for Ernie Francis Jr., well, it's going to be a good a good first weekend. We got a 17 race schedule, as mentioned. You've got 27 cars at the first race. You're going to have 28 when Connor Daly, or excuse me, when Ed Carpenter shows up to run with Connor Daly and Renus VK on the ovals. Uh, you know, we've got Takuma Sato will run the ovals in that number 11 Chip Ganassi car that Marcus Armstrong will drive this weekend. And then we've got, of course, people asking me because they see it on our IndyCar.com uh, driver page. You've got Tony Kanan signed up for the Indy 500 along with Catherine Legg and, and Marco Andretti. So I think there are five series champions this year. Eight former winners of the Indianapolis 500 will compete this season. It's going to be a, a great season. And, and Kev, let's, uh, let's get it off to a good start. All right, coming up in a moment, we'll see what we missed. I will tell you the story of how uh, the driver that we most associate, or some of us at least, with this program, how Jackson was hit by a maintenance truck uh, <laughs> in, uh, on the pit lane today at Sebring, and we'll find out if we've got that sorted. We've, we're going through onboard video as we speak to send this into the authorities and find out Who's in charge? Who's responsible for that? So we'll get to that and more coming up in, in just a bit. I'll let you take us to break. Trackside on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make, and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Hi, this is Reading VK, and you're listening to Trekside. Time for story time. I've released Kurt. He doesn't need to participate in this, but hopefully he tuned on the radio or 1075thefan.com because here was a new one. We teased this a little bit. Uh, so my, my son Jackson Lee is driving in USF Pro 2000, which is what was Indy Pro 2000, which was... Uh, Star Mazda, and several other names. It's two steps below IndyCar. It's the step below Indy Next, which was Indy Lights. Their official spring training has been the last couple of days. That's why we are at Sebring. And there have been weird incidents before, like last year when he got hit from behind on the pit lane and the driver uh, claimed that Jackson brake checked him. But we had the onboard, and he was on the pit speed limiter and was three feet off of the guy in front of him, so on and so forth. I'd really like to invoice the driver the $3,000 for that contact. Well, here was a new one today. So I'm up on a conference call at the uh, the 7 Hotel, turn 7, kind of watching his last session doing uh, some NBC prep and things along with that, and I knew they weren't going to be on track long because one of your sets of tires for this test is a carryover set for St. Pete. So uh, our team, and I'm sure others, were going to basically do one lap, scrub them in, and then you're done. I think they bled in some brakes. Anyway, so it didn't really um, stand out that I didn't see him going by on timing and scoring or see him going by on the track. I get a text. A truck hit me on pit lane. (laughs) Uh, And then a picture of said truck, a a regular truck with uh, some sort of a lift, behind it and he said this is it he's leaving the track he's going to be going by you at the hotel uh so i have no idea what's going on how much damage there is to the car so probably not one of the brightest moves but i jump in the car to follow because i at least want to get a license plate i've asked him do you get a license plate no we got a picture because the trailer is covering up the license plate so i eventually um am able to pull in front and uh, I I get the driver to stop, get his name, he's polite and says, yeah, I waited a couple of minutes and no one came, so I left. So here's what happened. Uh, In junior formula racing, sports car racing, NASCAR racing, everything but IndyCar, someone drives the car back to the paddock. So it's a hot pit lane it's a hot paddock and we have the onboard that will prove this and hopefully cover damages he's leaving the pit lane turns right at the end of pit lane at sebring which heads back to the paddock and this vehicle there to do track maintenance 
as he's almost cleared him, backs up into Jackson. So it's minor damage. Probably just the right rear wheel, but those are about 1200 bucks a piece. And I asked the guy, and he said, well, I looked, and I didn't see anybody. In his defense, somebody should be spotting for him and telling him what's going on. The drivers have the right of way. The race car drivers, it's a hot pit lane. Uh, so unfortunate, um, but... I'm hoping they keep his name out of it and someone covers the cost for that. But that is definitely a new one coming around the corner and someone backs into your race car as you're going literally 18 miles per hour around that corner. So that was that. Otherwise, how was your day? How was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Uh, the test went went fine for Jackson. We know this is a, a steep learning curve, that these are really good drivers with a lot of good experience. Um, and I think all things considered, when you look at who was doing what, when he's in the ballpark, which is all we can ask for. We know it's going to be a process here, but he comes away pretty satisfied, and we're excited about next week. Miles Rowe was fastest in pro. Simon Sykes was fastest in USF 2000. Local guy from the Indianapolis area, a local young man, Elliot Cox, was really good today, so wanted to shout him out as well. Uh, also, Kurt St. Angelo sent an email on this, said, hey, give a shout out to the fantasy racing competitions. IndyCar.com has one, the IndyCar Fantasy Challenge, and the IndyCar Fan Zone. IndyCarFanZone.com is another one that you can consider for your fantasy app. New IndyCar app is also out there. The season is here! Hey, we're ready. Make sure you're watching us on Peacock, uh, NBC, listening to IndyCar Radio, and we'll see you next Tuesday night from 7 until 9. Thanks to Eddie Garrison. For Kurt, I'm Kevin. It's 93.5, 107.5 The Fan.